Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. This week, we're talking about loving your spouse like God loves them, which can be hard sometimes, especially if we're in the middle of an argument or feel annoyed by them. I remember just the other day, we have this little tiny, like it's like a two-person little hot tub, and so you and I were just going to go and sit in it, have some connection time. It was early in the morning. And so I remember when you asked me, because we were in bed, you're like, hey, I want to go soak for a second. Do you want to join me? So I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have this great, you know, just time to catch up. You know, we'd had a lot of family in, just seemed like we weren't as connected just based on just we hadn't been able to talk alone. So I was going down to join you with this hope of, Oh yeah, we're we're gonna really ask some good questions and just see how each other's doing and kind of rediscover each other. Mm-hmm. But it didn't quite go that way because <laughs> I went down different. and I took the top off the little hot tub and it had some gross stuff in it. I don't know what it was. I don't it's know like if a mold it or uh, some something. sort of mold or I don't know if it was something from the chemicals we use. I don't know. So you came down and I said, hey there's something like mold in here. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And you didn't like that. No. And, and what's interesting, I, I reacted to you almost by saying, you know, I don't want to talk about that. And in my mind... But here, let me get in the cesspool. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, in my mind, I, I was thinking, oh, I don't want to like do work talk. I don't want to talk about tasks and to-do lists and what needs to be cleaned or fixed or any of that. I, I just, I wanted that time to connect with you. The problem was I didn't verbalize any mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And so it would have been very easy for me just to take one second and go, hey, I hear you. Oh, I, I see it. Let me, I'll deal with that. But I really want to spend time just seeing how you're doing and let's kind of rediscover each other. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do any of that. And so then I kind of Got into the, our little hot day. You're so squished in there. It was just the two of us, which was so awkward because then I'm not talking. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that that was speaking of annoying. I'm sure that that little <laughs> conflict, that little argument was, was, was like, annoying. I you were probably con- said there was something in the hot tub yeah. we needed to take care of. So I was confused. Yeah. But we processed that this weekend and really got to the bottom of it, which was really good. Yeah. And that's... You know, for us, as we think about today's episode, I mean, that, that's the point. We are going to know each other. Or we are going to have those times to where we get into conflict, you know, based on simple stuff. And again, is is this a, a big, huge issue? No, but this is most conflict comes from these these little things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got some important segments coming up. You know, later on, we're going to talk through some conversation starters that can help you unpack what you love about your spouse. And I'm sure the way I listen to you when you put a request out there is probably going to be one of the things that you'll you'll bring up, Aaron, I imagine. <laughs> you know, we're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know how he can bring romance back into their relationship. Ooh, Just that's exciting. A, a guy called in. Yeah. That's exciting. Just don't sit in a cesspool hot tub. That <laughs> probably won't get you where you're hoping. Yeah. But first, we had a fantastic conversation with author, speaker, pastor, and our dear friend, Gary Thomas, about how we can love our spouse well. Let's listen to the conversation we had with Gary.
Gary, you, you admitted in, in one of your books that you got married for selfish reasons. Kind of how has your perspective changed since those early days of marriage? I got married very young. I was 22 years old. I loved movies back in the day. I'd probably go to three a week. Of course, you mm-hmm. couldn't stream stuff like you can now. Right. Listening to 70s music and reading plots of novels. And most of them are centered on finding the love of your life yeah. and love mm-hmm. of one. And, so you know, rom-coms, the yeah. golden age of rom-coms, which are kind of dead now, is basically it always ends when you find the right person right. and everything falls into place. Basically, two people meet cute, get into a fight, break up, mm-hmm. get back together, mm-hmm. and then the movie And ends. then the That's, final kiss scene yes, there at the end. That has is made, the definition of a hallmark. <laughs> m- many producers and actors and directors rich beyond imagine. And I bought it. That's what I thought marriage would be. What I found is when I got married to be loved, it's a lust just like greed, just like um, a drug addiction, sex, anything where it doesn't really satisfy the more you get of it. Mm -hmm. It just feeds you wanting more. I couldn't be noticed enough or appreciated enough or loved enough. And that results in bitterness, Mm -hmm. frustration, and resentment. And there was a moment when I believe in prayer, and it makes people uncomfortable when I talk like this, but, and it doesn't happen to me often, but sometimes I just really sense God directing my prayers. I'm very uncomfortable right now. So. <laughs> and it was God saying, Gary, why did you get married? And I thought, well, I've mean, I got to be honest, it's God, right? Well, I like the way she looks. Mm. I thought she'd be a great mom. I like the way her mind worked. We read a lot of the same books. I knew she loved the Lord. And I looked... Every one of those was selfish. She's this, she's this, she's Mm. this. And so I got married primarily out of selfish motives. I will have a better life if I can convince this woman to marry me. And And then to love you in the ways that you want to be loved. And to be honest, I think 99% of us probably get married for that reason. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody gets married thinking, okay, I want to make that person's life. That's not, some might, but most of us were thinking, let's, make the best choice we can to get the best deal we can. How many Mm -hmm. guys say, it's a cliche, you know, I'm married up and that's what we want. And so I remember another time praying, and again, just really convicted. And this sounds so awful. This sounds so narcissistic, but I'm just being honest here. Gary, sometimes it's like you're trying to turn Lisa into a love Gary like he wants to be loved machine. Mm -hmm. It was horrendous. I thought, man, that's grotesque. But sometimes God just lays bare your heart and really began the journey of realizing that my greatest need isn't to be loved. That can be only met by God. His affirmation, his love, he's given me his son for my sins, his spirit to console me, to comfort me, his affirmation as my heavenly father. If I was out of Christ, my greatest need would be to be loved. Mm -hmm. In Christ, my greatest need isn't to be loved, it's to learn how to love. And I just applied it to scripture. I don't want to let subjective, you know, leanings direct me. And there are dozens of scriptures that say my greatest need is to learn how to love. Peter Mm -hmm. says, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Peter says to the Colossians, above all, pursue love. Uh, Nowhere does the Bible say, above all, find a romantic partner that will love you like you want to be loved. If Mm -hmm. that was my greatest need, Scripture would have told me that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It says my greatest need is to learn how 
to love others, and it completely changed my view of marriage mm. and family life, to be honest, because if you're loving your kids to get love in return, <laughs> you haven't been a parent longer than five <laughs> minutes. And, yeah. and, and so it was just so freeing to realize I really do need to learn how to love and being married and having kids and frankly, just working and driving every aspect of life gives me an opportunity to learn how to love. Mm. And I could receive from my heavenly father every day so that I could give to others. Whereas before I would try to receive to others mm. and maybe give God a couple prayers. And that's just backwards. Mm. And you think about it, like you said, it sounds so when you say it out loud or slow it down, like I'm going to manipulate you in every way I can to get you to love me. Yeah. And that is just gross, like you're saying. Like, and, but yet we all do it. But there's something so powerful about recognizing we are already fully loved and we don't need our spouse to love us. We want them to. It's the cherry on top when they do something that speaks love to us. But of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. What would you say stands out to you most about that portion of scripture? I, I think it reminds me of how brilliant scripture is. I just think sometimes as Christians, we don't recognize what a gift God has given us in scripture. I've spent my life reading the Christian classics, and they're brilliant, but one chapter, or I should say one paragraph in Colossians mm -hmm. can overwhelm me in a way an entire Christian classic book can't. Right. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 will take you farther than Marcus Aurelius ever can, even though Aurelius <laughs> says some... So when it says love is patient, what do we need more in marriage than patience? Because we're told in James 3, 2, we all stumble in many ways. So everybody listening, the Bible promises you your spouse will stumble in many ways, not mm -hmm. occasionally, mm -hmm. but in many ways. So what do you need more in marriage than patience? Love is patient. Love is kind. Dr. John Gottman has said kindness is one of the four markers of whether a marriage is going to thrive and mm -hmm. work. It's one of the best things you can do, that kindness is so key to marriage. And I, I think those two things, and if we're patient with each other and we're kind to each other, we will have a fundamentally different marriage. Okay, that's so two true. words <laughs> yeah. from a yeah. great chapter. And that's why I just think, again, Scripture is just amazing. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to, as you were talking about, this idea of, you know, our job isn't to find someone who will love us. God has already met that love, so our job is to learn how to love. Practically speaking, how does that show up? So how would I know if my goal is to get my wife to love me? Yeah. Like, what, what am I okay. doing? Yeah. Hmm. It's yeah. tough, and we need nuance. That's what I love about you two, because you get nuance. We've been in this for decades, and it's so easy to sell books yeah. by just going one extreme or the other. Yeah. So let me just say, because I can hear some people in the back of my mind, it's okay, it's legitimate, it's healthy to ask for things in marriage. Mm -hmm. Honey, it would mean a lot to me if we could do this, or we could not do that, or maybe you don't realize how this is impacting me when you say things like that, or when you don't do that. I mean, those are legitimate requests, mm -hmm. but they become lethal as demands. Right. I, I think it's the same way as, I, I love Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. 10 million people agree with me, so that's nothing profound yeah. to say, <laughs> although I, I love it you know, because I, 
you share the name with your dad. We always said we should have done a Gary marriage conference. Exactly. The three uh, Garys. Because people will think they're, oh, I just, you're married. Oh, yeah. changed our life. Will you sign it? And there's yeah. the five love languages. Oh, I've signed so many Gary Thomas books, so many Gary you Chapman could, books. You could be thrown into the Gary exactly. conference because everyone yeah. calls him Gary. There you go. So well, he loves Greg that. Is so close. I do all your work for you, <laughs> sign in your yes. autograph. Yeah. So you're welcome. And and some have criticized it because that, but here's where I think it's so helpful. When it's read as this is what I can do for my spouse, it is life giving. Right. Marriage transforming. Versus weaponizing it. To if it's you read to weaponizing it, which is not what Gary right. Chapman intends, right. then then pe- so people critique something that he didn't write. They're critiquing a misuse, an abuse of what he has written. So I end my sacred marriage seminars with this because it, it really did change my marriage when I realized, okay, I'm a selfish person. Yeah. I don't want to die a selfish person. Mm. <laughs> I want to be less selfish next year. And so I heard this country song one time, terrible grammar, profound theology. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to say goodbye. Ain't nobody ever really tried to love you like I love you. Hmm. And I thought, Lord, I want that to be my call. So I started to pray, Lord, how can I love my wife today mm. like she's never been loved and never will be loved? Mm. So that I know my marriage will be successful. If I die before Lisa, she can get up and say, you know, you can critique Gary for this or that, and maybe he got this wrong or that wrong, but nobody has loved me like that man loved me. Mm. And I don't think anybody yeah. ever can. Yeah. And, and that has you been my goal. You left her better than how you found her. In, in practical yeah. ways. And we'll be married 39 years wow. Uh, wow. next month as we're recording this. And so um, finding new ways to do it. And, mm-hmm. and it's fun because I used to take such joy when I was noticed and appreciated. And now God has so changed my heart. Legitimately, some of my highest joy is finding new ways to please her. Mm-hmm. And so when we were traveling, I noticed one of the challenges we have is we have very different eating styles. Because so I can eat just about anywhere. So when I'm traveling by myself, it's it's not a hassle. Whatever's convenient. Whatever's if, if, if there are 10 restaurants, by. I can eat at nine of them. <laughs> if there are 10 restaurants, Lisa can eat at half of one. <laughs> I mean, she just, yeah. she's a very healthy yeah. eater. She wants a certain kind of thing and whatnot. And so often we'll just end up going to like a Whole Foods and she'll create this I don't even, this green stuff with seeds and <laughs> things coming out of Sounds it. Sounds delicious, yeah. <laughs> and invariably, because it's not at a restaurant, she goes, oh, I forgot to get a spoon. And she says something she can eat with her hands. And notice this happened. And so the next time she did it, I said, oh, I got gotcha. you. I opened up my backpack and I'd filled it with plastic spoons because she's always oh, needing no. them. And I got gotcha. you. And she goes, what? I said, yeah, you're always forgetting them. And she's just like, Do you just think of ways to please me? And I said, yeah. I love Gary's stories. Mm -hmm. He's got such great stories. I so appreciate this idea of um, doing these simple things to really love our spouse better. And it made me think about just the the importance of gratitude. So Mm -hmm. I I, I love this idea of, you know, thinking about practical things like the spoon Mm -hmm. that Gary you know, brought to Lisa, but mm-hmm. even beyond that, just the, those words, the, just the words of gratitude can make such a big difference. Well, and words of gratitude are different than words of like affirmation. Gratitude is thanking your spouse for what they do versus affirming your spouse 
that's more along the lines of affirming who they are. And so gratitude, really, it's important because the research shows that we rarely thank our spouse for what they do because we get so conditioned. And as human beings, we're very conditioned to the familiar. And so sometimes we forget, like it's important to express gratitude towards our spouse. Yeah, because... You know, Aaron, I've been thinking a lot because we've been having some good conversations. Well, we actually attended a marriage event this weekend, which was super exciting. Yeah. We went instead of having to teach it, we attended. Yeah, and they facilitated some good opportunities for us to talk. And mm-hmm. one of the things that really stood out for me was, you know, I love it. Speaking of gratitude, I love it when you notice what I do. Mm-hmm. Um but not from like, a, hey, you're successful. Look what you did. You did all these things, and therefore you're doing a great job. You're successful. But I think for me, when, when you point out something that I've done that you've noticed, it actually ends up making me feel seen. Mm-hmm. And and that's such a big part of, of gratitude is is when we notice what our spouse did. I mean, it makes them feel seen. But then when we can take that to a whole different level by really noticing the, these things about who they are. Mm-hmm. So af- affirming matter, them. Really. And that, boy, that makes such a big difference when when you, you know, take it beyond the, hey, thanks for taking the trash out, which kind of like, to, you know, a very specific thing that you're noticing about, you know, my character or, mm-hmm. you know, something that I'm, how I'm living out faith or integrity, whatever, whatever it is. But really what that means is that I see you. Yeah. I see who you are, not just what you do. And I know we talked a lot this weekend about sometimes you get hooked into what you do yeah. is more important than who you are. And so we talked a lot about that. And I absolutely can really be cognizant of making sure that I'm seeing you, yeah. not just what you do for me or for our family. Yeah. And, and I didn't really even know the extent of how important it is for me to be seen by you, mm-hmm. but especially around my character. Mm-hmm. And that's what was really great about this event that we sat through. Mm-hmm. And again, it was fun being on the other side of that mm-hmm. and not being the presenters, but actually being the participants. Mm-hmm. And man, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And knowing and understanding that really helped me. But I think it it, it helped us as well as you, you keep asking like, hey, how can I really love you? Mm-hmm. And, and that that's such an important part mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, I think another Another part of this idea of gratitude is even bragging about your spouse in front of others. Mm-hmm. We were, we remember we took this random couple to lunch because, mm-hmm. you know, we had mm-hmm. to eat during the event. But just, you know, I, I heard you talking to her about me. And, you know, what did I say? Well, you were just talking about <laughs> how, you know, hey, we're both tired and we're, you know, we've been doing a lot of the speaking and, but just, it was a big deal for you that, that we took the time mm-hmm. to kind of go to this event and participate and really lean in and, and do the work. So I just, I heard you in the backseat talking to her about that. And mm-hmm. that, that just meant the world. There's something powerful yeah. about hearing you brag about me. Well, and there's something powerful too, when we brag about our spouse in front of our kids, because they need to hear that we see how amazing their our spouse is, but that's their mom or their dad. And what an opportunity to influence our kids around, you know, just noticing positives in their mom and dad. 
it creates such a safe place for them knowing that mom and dad are yeah. good. Yeah. And that just infuses that concept as well. Yeah. And that's why, again, just so appreciate Gary Thomas and just the the encouragement to keep looking for ways to better love each other, mm-hmm. rather that's giving our spouse a spoon mm-hmm. <laughs> in preparation for some meal that, that we've brought or, or how to brag on our spouse or really, you know, expressing that gratitude, not only for what we do, but for who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we have Gary's book here at the ministry available for a gift of any amount. It's called A Lifelong Love, Discovering How Intimacy with God Breathes Passion into Your Marriage. And it's because of your financial support that we're able to do this podcast. So please donate and get that book today. It's an amazing resource that we'd love to put in your hands. So check the link in the show notes for all the details. Well, I'm super excited. I love this segment. We get to ask each other conversation starters. So would you like to begin with the first one and well, ask me? I would. But let me give context, too. We we are putting this in here not as like we don't never have time to talk to each other, so let's do it during the podcast. We, we so believe in this idea of mm-hmm. constantly finding times to rediscover each other. Well, and sometimes it's hard. I hear it regularly from couples I work with that we don't know what to ask each other. And so I always say, get conversation starters, download and print them out, take them on your date night, whatever, because it just is a good way to continue to be curious yeah. about each other. Yeah. And we, we don't see these beforehand. Our producer, Katie, will bring in this little blue bucket. Mm-hmm. And so we've just selected. So we've seen these for the first time. So these are a surprise to us. So I'll ask the first one, um, Aaron. So especially after a long difficult day, how can we make a concerted effort to connect and show tenderness and empathy to each other? It's mm, a good question, because I often do have those long days. I walk in so exhausted after sitting with people and caring for people all day long, and I know you do too. Um, and I, I think we've become more intentional about sitting and chatting. Oftentimes it's the high, low and need to know. But even this weekend, we were talking about how do we go deeper with that? Because high, low need to know is, you know, good information. But how do we take it to that deeper emotional connection? Yeah. And specifically from this weekend marriage event that we were participants in, I think for me, I walked away realizing that for me, an ongoing fear, again, I, you know, it's not that I'm aware of this, but talking about mm-hmm. it, I became aware of it, was the fear of just being invisible mm-hmm. and, and not around the things that I do, but for who I am. Mm-hmm. Somehow for me, that gets missed because of, you know, we'll talk maybe about the, you know, you'll say, thank you for doing such and such. Mm-hmm. but. And I think that's what you were saying Mm -hmm. is that we realize is that we do a good job of asking each other sort of the update, Mm -hmm. high, low, need Mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. But how do we incorporate then in into those kind of regular check-ins almost around some of these fears that we're aware of each other? Mm -hmm. So for you, like asking, hey, are you feeling seen? Mm -hmm. You know, for me asking you, are you really feeling connected, you know, Mm -hmm. emotionally, whatever, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
as we incorporate some of the deeper, we know some of these wounds that we have or some of these deep, deep felt needs like feeling seen, feeling connected emotionally that, that we can incorporate that in there is the way to, I, I think the more we do that, that's where the empathy then really can come from. I love that. So here's my question. What things do I do that communicate tenderness towards you? Hmm. I well, stumped a, him. Yeah, that's he has a good nothing question. to say. I think the best way that you communicate tenderness to me is by touch. Mm. In the just you know, in in the kitchen last night, mm-hmm. we're busy. We had people over. Two of our kids came home. It was our middle daughter's Murphy, her husband's birthday. So we just were running, doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You stopped me in the middle of the kitchen and gave me this hug. And so, you know, I'm thinking, oh, hey, what a nice thing. And I kind of pat you on the back. Thank you. And you wouldn't let me go. <laughs> and you just held me there. And, and it would seem like for the longest time, and then you gave me, you know, a kiss, but it wasn't a, a peck. It was, I mean, again, you held that embrace, that kiss for, <laughs> for several seconds to where it just, it totally stumped me. And I Good, loved I it. I threw you off. Yeah. And I love it. And I, please keep doing that. But I, I think at the end of the day, that that so spoke tenderness to me mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you just you took the time to to give me a hug in a meaningful hug mm. in in a longer kiss so well, thank good. you for doing that good good what are some other ways that we can incorporate meaningful touch into our daily routine hmm. these it, just go hand in hand I don't know. they katie it's has like done it's, such a great it's going job deeper and deeper maybe she's spying deeper. on us like how does she know that we were just talking about all this i think just kind of like you were saying just being intentional and spontaneous with, you know, reaching over and holding the other person's hand or when we're passing by just a quick hug or even a longer hug in the kitchen. Um, When we're watching a show together, sitting close to each other and holding hands, definitely putting the cell phone away. Yeah, well, I got some insights this weekend on what message it sends when I have my cell phone out. And it honestly it broke my heart when I heard what message that sends. So just being intentional in those times that we are together, yeah. that we are in each other's presence, that we are, you know, just spontaneously reaching over and touching. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, we, we have a king size bed, so it's easy. Like at the end of the, the night as we're getting ready for bed, as we settle into bed, both we grab our cell phones, and it, but we're so far apart mm-hmm. anyway. Well, and especially with a 97-pound golden doodle <laughs> oh, right. who wants to snuggle in, <laughs> and we can't sleep with him in that bed. He's too big, but he likes to try, and he creates a little division. But I, I like, though, that we were talking about going, okay, we're probably not going to stop checking our cell phones right before mm-hmm, bed. Mm-hmm. So what if instead of saying no more cell phones and throwing them, you know, somewhere in the bathroom or whatever, what if we say, okay, if we're going to look, why don't we scoot all the way over next to each other? So at least we're, we're touching, we're leaned up against each other and, and real quick, we can check cell phones and then, yeah, have some Put other connection. Away. So, yeah. so I, I appreciate that because, because I hear that advice a lot and it's not mm-hmm. that it's bad advice. Hey, leave your phones outside charge them in another room and and 
maybe we should really think about that. But I was, I appreciated the thought of, hey, instead of like going to that extreme where we maybe can't be successful, Mm -hmm. why don't we incorporate touch into that as a lead in maybe to some other things? Yeah, I like that. So my last question, are there other ways I can communicate tenderness on a regular basis? Tenderness is definitely the theme. It is. Yeah, other ways to communicate tenderness, um, probably just through your words. Mm-hmm. Um, as you affirm me, as you thank me for things, um, that always communicates not for me just a connection, but the, there's a tenderness there because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's something about just being seen yeah. in that way. Yeah. Well, even when I walked in the studio this morning, you knew I had had a hard conversation this morning and you just hugged me when I walked in and, hey, how you doing? And it was just really sweet. And that was very tender. So I like that. Nice. Well, thank you. Yes. So we have covered every aspect of tenderness, showing it, how to show more of it, and you know, just the connection that that brings when we are we have tender touch and tender words uh, makes such a difference in our relationship and in yours as well. So we'll put these questions in the show notes. So these are some great ones. Use these, or we'll add a link to what those three to four hundred other. You know, conversation starters that we've created. And again, what a great opportunity just to further your knowledge, to stay current, to kind of rediscover each other. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A. And this is the part of the show when we get to answer your burning questions about marriage. So please send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance. And we're going to send that to you for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Cameron, so let's listen to the voicemail that he sent in. Hey, Greg and Aaron. My name's Cameron. Me and my wife have been married for about a year and a half. She just got back from what seemed to be a great vacation with her best friend, and one of the first things that she says to me when she gets back is that she feels like there's no romance left in our relationship, and she wants to put a criteria on what is qualified for a date or what's not qualified for a date. And sometimes I feel controlled for the date that we're going to go on. What do y'all think I can do to help her feel like there's still romance in our relationship? Well, Cameron, we so appreciate the question. Mm -hmm. And the temptation is to treat this as a very black and white. She says there's no Mm -hmm. romance. So give me the five ways that I can make sure that she experiences romance. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, I tell you the best thing that you can do is to think about an iceberg. 
So the tip of the iceberg, of course, uh, hides, you know, the, the biggest part of the iceberg, which is under the waterline, the parts that you can't see. And that actually, you know, for a ship passing by, that can be the most dangerous part. And that's really where, in relationship, we want to get below the surface. We want to get under the waterline to really explore what, what is truly going on. Because, mm-hmm. Cameron, the temptation would be just, how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. But the truth is there, there's something else really going on for and your so wife. So really, the answer begins by looking inside of you, Cameron, going, what does that trigger within me? Because I'm guessing I put myself in your shoes and it, let's say Greg has been gone and he comes home. I'm guessing I would have wanted something very different when he first walked in the door. You know, hey, I missed you so much, or, you know, I'm so excited to explore our relationship. I have some new insights and, you know, more of a connecting thing. So I would probably feel, you know, maybe rejected or disappointed or invisible, like I you were just gone and now you're back and you're telling me there's no romance in our relationship or misunderstood. Yeah. yeah, controlled. And so really just stepping back and going, what does that push inside of me? Because then you can begin to explore that and, you know, get your heart back open so you can go back and have an, a really effective, wonderful conversation with your wife yeah. about you know, what you're feeling versus, you know, how do we fix this? Yeah. And Aaron, that's so important because again, if I'm going to explore what's below the waterline for you, you've made some comment. I probably know that's not really what's going on. Mm -hmm. The only way that I can do that well is if my heart's open Mm -hmm. because I've got to be curious. I've got to have some humility there. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're saying is, Cameron, deal with you first, mm-hmm. get your heart open. And yes. that really happens when you identify, yeah, what was going on for me? So as you do that, that sets you up then to to put on the scuba gear and prepare to, to kind of dive below to explore whoa, what's at the bottom here of the iceberg. Well, and also then as you go back, it's also you know, being curious with your, your wife about what yeah. what does this all mean to her yeah. at that deeper level? Yeah. What does she fear? Like if there's not romance in your relationship from her perspective, what is she really feeling or fearing? Yeah. And that's such an opportunity just to connect. And I'm not saying that you then don't go to what do we do? How do we fix this? But I think what we're encouraging is first and foremost, connect heart to heart around what are we really feeling? What's really going on here? And it could sound something like this. So I hear you saying there's no romance in our relationship. If that's true, what does that mean for you? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, because we we almost, Cameron, can guarantee that it's, you know, no romance is the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And there's probably fear of some sort. Mm -hmm. And, And as Aaron is saying, our guess would be that, yeah, if there's no romance, then my fear is that we're going to stay disconnected or, you know, I'm going to end up being alone. Or, you know, mm-hmm. if there isn't mm-hmm. romance, you know, w- will you take off and leave me? I mean, who knows? And it's not our place to try to figure that out because you get to be mm-hmm. the one to put on the mask and the fins and the mm-hmm. and the air tanks and really dive down there. But I tell you, Cameron, if, if you're willing to go down to that deep place with her – 
again, assume that that the no romance, that's just the topic, that's the part that we can see. Yeah, but then sit down and have a conversation about what would work for both of us around this date night thing. Um, How do we find something that feels good to you and to me so we can go out and really feel connected? And what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? Because we both matter. We have to create room for both of us in this relationship. Yeah, because what you're saying is that that for them, Cameron is trying to really figure out what what are we trying to solve for? Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing if, if it's simply, yeah, we just want to have more romance. Okay. And, and that's a valid pursuit, but but our guess is it's probably something deeper. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to figure out, yeah, what as we have the conversation about the win-win or what would work for both of us, you've got to have the right information. Mm-hmm. That's part of the value of, of swimming down under the waterline and really exploring kind of what's going on mm-hmm. for you. Cameron, if you're brave and, and courageous enough to really say, wow, I want to, I want to figure out what, what's really going on. And you do that with curiosity and, and you really listen, you don't defend and try to fix Tell you, you guys will get to the place where you're fully understanding what was going on for her, and then you're able to share. Yeah, and and as you made that statement, you know, I felt really controlled, or I felt failed, or whatever it was. And boy, that kind of conversation mm. is the most romantic mm-hmm. and connecting of all the things you could yes. do together. So that yes. that's the cool part. You're actually helping to create romance by actually having this deep heart to heart conversation to where you both feel seen and heard. And that those feelings are important to you both. And man, that'll connect you in a way that will send sparks flying. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Cameron, again, for your question. And look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, please contact us. Go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Loving your spouse well is a key to a strong relationship. We hope this episode has given you some practical steps you can take towards strengthening your relationship. Yeah, and be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We also want to help you grow spiritually, both individually and together, so that you can invest in other couples to help them build thriving marriages. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.